make a big noise playing in the street gonna be a big man someday you got mud on your face you big disgrace kicking your can all over the place singing we The first time I ever punched a kid in the face was at church, mm. of all places. Great place, right? Mm-hmm. We used to play these pickup football games after church service on Wednesday night. And this kid, Matt Feenstra, I still remember his name, tackled me from behind and started to tr- pound on me. And I flipped him off my back, turned around, and swung as hard as I could and didn't know I hit him. Sunday morning, he rolls into church with the biggest black eye I've ever seen. And I was like, oh, (laughs) dang, I did that, you know? So first guy I ever punched was because of a football game. Didn't even know I punched him. Is that church? Pretty funny story. Conflict and conquest right there in the house of the Lord. Uh, That's the only time I've ever decked somebody. And uh, it was over a football game, man. You're a football fan yourself, so. I know. That's That's why you think it's violent and it should be shut down. No, no. I just I just thought it was funny. It's just like most of my like trouble was at church. You know what I mean? Like, I have all these memories of doing bad things at church. It's just kind of it's ironic. That's what makes us uh so messed up. That's why we talk a lot about our being bitter and stuff. But sports. Back in the day, way, way, way back in 2500 BC. This is like before gladiators and stuff. The sport known as the ball game. Hmm. Take me out to the ball game. The ball game. But it was played by all major civilizations from the Olmecs to the Aztecs. The impressive stone courts became a staple feature of the city's sacred complex, and there were often several courts in a single city. The object of this game was to get a rubber ball through a large round stone ring. Uh, about eight meters high Wait, without had, using your hands. They had rubber? That's what it says when I did my research. It was like a rubber. They had like a Bronze a, Age people had rubber. Like a rubber latex ball. They had one. Interesting. It, it was kind of heavy and it could actually hurt you. Uh, but nobody really knows what the rules were, but they kind of knew the consequences. <laughs> so, more than just a game, the event could have religious significance and featured in uh, episodes of Mesoamerican mythology. So, as games often had religious significance. The captain of the losing team, or even sometimes the entire team, were sacrificed to the gods. Uh, The classic Maya even invented a parallel game where captives, once defeated in the real game, were tied up and used as balls themselves and unceremoniously rolled down a flight of steps. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that funny? So you lose this game, you die, and then you become the ball in the next game to your death. Man, that's That's like the circle of life. Human beings are definitely, I think we're progressing towards a little bit less violent yeah. culture. Would you ever engage in a soccer match to the death, Matt? No, I'd want to check their concussion protocol first. <laughs> <laughs> we're pretty wimpy these days. Katie, Katie was baseball mad, had the fever and had it bad. Just to root for the hometown through every zoo. Katie Blue. Saturday, her young beau called to see if she'd like to go to see a show, but Miss Kate said no. I'll tell you what you can do. Take me 
Welcome to Don't Be the Trolls, where we root, root, root for the home team without smashing a bottle of Jim Beam. Sometimes I like to smash a bottle of Jim Beam. I think it's okay, as long as it's not on someone's head. Yeah, but it's on someone's head, or, you know, <laughs> just because your team lost, you're ready to go, ready to fight. But uh, we have some troll mail. You want to read that, Matt? Y'all ready for this? Sure. So this is from Luke. So I should start by saying that I'm actively trying to starve my inner trolls on a regular basis. But I think I'm still coming up short. Yeah, me too, Luke. Don't worry. With that in mind, I do have a question. I'm a runner, but I tend to get annoyed when other runners who are posting about it on social media all the time. One of my friends, a fellow runner, is currently training and fundraising for a project called blank. I blanked it. Uh, They work and provide dignified jobs in Haiti rather than just giving money or fixing things. I like the idea behind this, but I'm having trouble getting on board with her fundraising. She's the type of runner that drives me nuts. In her mind, a run didn't happen if she didn't post about it or take a picture. I know that's my problem, not a problem with her. But with all that in mind, she is running across Haiti uh, next month as part of this team. And that in itself does not bother me. What does bother me is that her fundraising goal is $4,000. And I find myself frustrated with that dollar amount. And I think she could just run here and donate all the money to that organization. A big part of my frustration is the problem with me. I get annoyed with the attention that she receives and the accolades that she gets for her quote-unquote heart for Haiti. But I also legitimately think the funds could be distributed better. Yeah, Luke, you're a troll. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that's <laughs> that's actually, Nate and I were talking about this. Um, it's a really good topic for a podcast because I feel like so many people are raising money for what they believe are good causes. Um, like, hey, I need a new laptop or... Uh, I would like a guitar. Um, this will really help my life. Could you give me money? And uh, that's just weird for me and Nate, who came from the uh, the good old days when you exchanged goods and services for money. <laughs> so uh, we thought we might do a podcast on that. But thanks for bringing that up. And I don't know, Nate, you have anything to any advice for Luke and how to handle that troll? Of uh, I think we all have that troll in different ways. I think anyone who's promoting their life on social media, there's a certain personality. I think it bugs people. Yeah. Self-promoters or like selfie people. Um, yeah, it, it's hard. It's it's, a, <laughs> it's Look what I'm doing. It's so good. I'm so good. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> everyone's always raising money for some cause. It's it's a tough it's a tough world in in that regard. Yeah. Just a lot of nonprofits, a lot of stuff. Who knows what? Sure. Goes where? We I mean, I raised that in the slacktivism episode. A little yeah, bit, I raised money um, to go to India, and it was a short-term, you know, charity trip with a bunch of other people. And I don't know, we 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 played with kids and like painted a room and didn't do much. So, um, but it did <laughs> it did change me in in a way in like a positive way. I mean, even though I was the beneficiary of, of other people's generosity, I feel like. Uh, people should raise their own money by working. <laughs> Those are vacations, you know? <laughs> Support us, our charity here at Don't Feed the Trolls. <laughs> Help us talk into a microphone. It's going to be so good for the world. <laughs> yeah, that was a great transition there. <laughs> no, but we work really hard to make this show happen, and we have 78 awesome patrons who uh, contribute every month to this podcast and keep it going. We are ad-free, which means you don't have to listen to any junk or fluff, and uh, that's because you guys are uh, slowly chipping in over the months, more and more people. So if you'd like to help out this podcast and uh, donate to our charity, 
LOL. Um, you can do so at patreon.com slash don't be the trolls. Uh, we have some exclusive stuff there, and we also have an exclusive show that we're rolling out. Um, almost every episode, we're going to have an exclusive show there, too, of Matt and I riffing back and forth. I would like to welcome Drew Douglas to the team. Thanks, Drew. Drew gave us 10 bucks a month, and uh, that's awesome. Drew is one of the few uh, who love this show so much they feel like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop in a little bit. So, uh, yeah, that being said, that's our shameful plug. And uh, after our riff on people asking for money, we know it's ironic. Let's get back to the show. Welcome, Daniel Dopp. Good buddy of ours. Uh, why don't you start by letting people know kind of a bit of your backstory and what you do now for your job? Sure. Uh, I'm really excited to be here, by the way. Big fan. Uh, so thank you guys for having me on. Uh, a bit of my backstory. So uh, I am a podcast producer for ESPN. And so I get to sports all day, every day. Sportsing. Uh, Yep, which is a ton of fun. And I'm super blessed with the way that a lot of things have worked out for me to be able to put myself in this position. So I get to work with Matthew Barry, Field Yates, Stefania Bell on the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast, uh, which is a ton of fun if you love fantasy football. I get to work with Bill Barnwell and Mina Kimes, both of who are just brilliant writers. And I get to do a show with them, which is the NFL related. And then I also get to work with Adam Schefter. We just launched his show. And so I get to produce Adam's show, which has just been a, a ton of fun. And so that's huge. Um, man. It's a it's a blast. It is a blast. And it is a fantastic opportunity that I am. I'm really excited to have the opportunity to have. So you're out there in Bristol, Connecticut, or that that's at least where you work. Yeah, Bristol is where ESPN is headquartered, and so that's where I work, um, and then we live around the area. Yep. Yeah, Christy and I, my wife and I had the uh, the good fortune of playing a living room show in your basement of your new place, right? So uh, that, yep. So we're familiar. We, we come through. We hang out. Uh, so Nate, Nate had the idea for this podcast, and so I'll let Nate take the floor here when it comes to uh, what we're going to ask you about sports trolls. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, let me just throw out a sports fact, just to get the light in the mood a little bit. There has never, ever been anyone who's predicted the Final Four. Are you serious? Nobody has ever picked the tournament perfectly. Mathematically, that's that's really difficult to yeah. do. What is that, like 1 in 17 billion or something? It's some crazy... I mean, because you've got 64 different teams, Yeah, and there's always some upset that nobody's ever thinking about, so... Right. And it's college, so, so there's a, yeah, there's always an upset. Yep. Which I think is is you know I'm not a huge basketball fan, even though I played basketball in high school. I held a rebound record at my high school until two <laughs> years ago. <laughs> you were dethroned and at 35. I was dethroned at 35. <laughs> I got they sent me my plaque in the mail. I was like, I don't care. A Toss this in the can. What was that rebound record, by the way? 25 rebounds in one game. Wow, oh, single game record. Yeah, did you ever yeah. get a du- did you ever get a double double or was it just that one stat? <laughs> uh, well, no, I actually I actually did it my junior year and my senior year. I almost beat it my senior year, but I actually did that my junior year. So, do you have hops? I I was just really good at predicting where the ball went, and I okay. had. 
bigger legs than anybody else so I could push them out of the way. Right. Get low. You had some girth. Like, it's just all about predicting, like, where's that ball going to be? And then get the girth going. Get the girth so, going. Clear the area. So that's me. I'm, 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 I, I think college basketball is great. I don't like the NBA. I, mm. it's just too much for me uh, to get into. But all that to be said, the deadliest riot in our lifetime, I guess, <laughs> in the last hundred years. This this is a weird transition, but um, <laughs> occurred in 1964. This is what Nate loves to do. He goes, went like we have a topic. It's like how many people <laughs> have died because of this topic. Like, yeah. what's the most amount of people that die from selfies? Like, Nate will look up yeah. that stat. It's like what? How how much death has this caused? This so, big so this bad. this issue of fanship of sports teams, which is funny because I don't think soccer is that bad. I mean, I for oh for the hooligans humanity. and the riots, man. Well, I mean, I de- it's definitely crazy. Right. But in 1964, there was a match between Peru and Argentina. Peru was down by one heading into the final minute when a goal that should have tied the game was disallowed, inciting Ooh. fans to storm the field in a fit of rage. Police launched tear gas. Hundreds of fans tried to flee. They were crushed. 320 people killed. <laughs> And just to quote Eric Simons, the writer of The Secret Lives of Sports Fans, it's a book. He says, a sports team is an expression of a fan's sense of self. It's not an obnoxious affectation when a devotee uses the word we. It's a literal confusion in the brain about what is me and what is the team. So you guys know this. Like, it, you're, you're a fan of a team, and when your team does good, you say, we won. We played well in the fourth quarter. We, and when they do bad... We distance ourselves. We go, they, they played like shit. They played so bad. Interesting. Uh, and it's this psychological thing. Your, bl- your brain is literally tricking yourself into thinking that you, that, that team is an extension of your identity. And, uh, and I think that's where we kind of get, we get, we get lost. But I guess, Daniel, your, your whole business depends on people doing that, right? <laughs> <laughs> to some extent, your whole livelihood. Here's what's weird about it. I mean, do you guys do that with your teams? Would do you say yes. we? Yes. Yeah, I say right, we. Okay. So I do too. I'm a, I'm a Detroit sports fan. I'm a Lions fan. A Tigers fan. A Pistons fan. And I've always said we. And I think for me, it's it's the thought process of I invest so heavily into something. I, I get it. I'm not out there on the field. I'm not in the locker room. But emotionally, I have just as much invested into this whatever sport it is as the people that are out there playing and sometimes i actually feel like i have more invested in it you're like doing push-ups in the off season and like (laughs) yeah Yeah, i mean it's like come on guys so i we always talk about that when it's you know i always say we there's always that conversation what about when they lose you should watch next time like when detroit lost to seattle did you say they played terribly do you can can you even no, I don't. Do you distance yourself from that, from their failure, and no. just accept their? No, I accept. I mean, I, I, I say we. I I always say we play badly, but I totally right. understand distancing yourself because, I mean, I think there's a certain type of fan that does that. I mean, fans fandom is a strange thing, and it's so it, weird. It, it ranges so vastly from the kind of fandom that you have, and so, um, I, for me personally, I really think that the kind of fan that says we. Um, 
there is definitely something about you that makes you different than the normal sport watcher. You've taken it to a a new <laughs> level that not yeah, everyone. Yeah, because I've been called do. out. I've been called out with my friends. Like they'll say that, like we, us. Well, who are you? Are you on the team? And I'm like, shut up, man. <laughs> like they're an extension know, like, of my identity. I root for them. In 2014, I watched. I think I watched almost every single Giants game up to the World Series, and then. It came down to game seven, the last pitch. So you're talking a six-month investment into (laughs) this team. I was like ready to – I literally dove out on my back lawn and rolled around when they won. I was so excited. Does it it have any cosmic impact? Does it have any real meaning? No. Like I I guess – human conquest and and metaphor and story and myth like those things like we all you know the greeks had their heroes and their stories and they had gladiators and such and like there's a human evolutionary need clearly for heroes right yes does that help us progress does that really take us to the next level as humans or are we just regressing back to our savage selves matt The one constant through all the years, Matt, has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It has been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. This field, this game, it's part of our past, Matt. It reminds us that all that once was good could be good again. Oh, people will come, Matt. People will most definitely come. The Mariners were once good so they can be good again is what you're saying? (laughs) They can. (laughs) Donald Trump rode that all the way to the White House. (laughs) Is that from a movie? Where is that from? Field of Dreams? Yeah, that's from Field of Dreams. All right. And I think that's why I like baseball because it has something outside of – it has something different It mirrors. I think it mirrors life pretty well like i like the i like the play-by-play action of a football game because it's just like it's just like head down everybody all the gears got to work perfect and then boom it's done and you you huddle back up but but baseball season is really long and there's a lot of ups and downs and there's a lot of innings and there's a lot of crap that can happen and that it's in that way it sort of reflects life and i think that's why when i meet baseball fr- fans like you nate or our buddy Aaron Lunsford, I mean, they are insane about oh. their worship of that sport. I Well, baseball is so difficult because it's such a long season that if you decide that you're going to go through all 162 games, it's a different kind of investment. I mean, football, you're talking about four preseason games, games yeah. and yeah. then 16 games. and that, It's so – I mean, the thing is, I think football fans appreciate their season more than baseball fans do because it's so short. It's like I get – I get four months and then my sport is done. Whereas baseball just seems to last centuries. <laughs> yeah. It mirrors life. It just is a slog. It goes on and on and on. <laughs> what football player position has the longest career on average? Kicker. A kicker. Punter. Oh, punter. Well, yeah. I mean, they the both punter. kick, don't they? Four, it's like 4.6 years. So <laughs> football's tough because... You know, you can like a baseball team and you can see a guy on a team for 12 years yeah. play for your team. And football, you're turning over players constantly. Yeah, that long-term parasocial relationship, unless it's with, like, the quarterback who's been there for 15 years or something. Like, but. Matt, you asked a question sort of facetiously, I think, about 
the idea of is there any kind of cosmic relevance to this when it comes right. to sports or some some greater thing i mean yes sports is just that it's it's entertainment it's nothing it's nothing to live or die over but i do feel and this is not to put any one specific city down or say that one team is better than another but absolutely i think when you look through the history of the nba or the nfl or or major league baseball or hockey there are certain cities at certain times that just need that escape. New Orleans after and Katrina. Absolutely. And what the Saints did because of that. The, the, the Patriots after 9-11. I mean, uh, yep. those were like, that's uh, the, incredible parody, right? Like, it just... The Red Sox after the Boston bombing. Yeah. And that, it's one of those things that it's, you know, the, that sport is more than just we're all getting together to watch a team that we want. It's that, you know, it's very similar to music, I think, in that sense of there's a camaraderie and we're all here because we share the same thing that means so much to us that we dedicate so much of our time. I mean, even more than music. You talk about right. you know, fans that come out to see your guys' as bands. Like, this would be like if you played shows and every night someone tuned in to watch you right. across you know, how, how many times would you do that? Would I watch, no offense to the classic crime or to Sherwood, <laughs> but if you guys broadcast 162 shows throughout the year, how many times would I tune in to watch the same show over yeah. and over and over again? Yeah. Well, there's just so many different variables and outcomes to each game. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's like if I played, if I played a different guitar part every yeah. time. Yep. Daniel, you said something about... Oh, um, yeah about common ground, which I think is really important, you know, at these times where these cities have something critical, something often tragic happen. Um, and then there's just the team becomes the metaphor for their, for their comeback, the, the pride of the city. And there is some sort of communal thing. And I think today in in today's world where we're so much more isolated than we, we normally are from our neighbors, we don't have much common ground. We don't have much in common. Uh, maybe it is a very good thing that at least we have our sports team that at least we can look across you know the bus and see somebody in a jersey and and immediately have something in common with them so what is it though like at, at the end of the day like what is it is it a good thing like i see some people that are just their whole life is their sports that's all they post about. They're flying across the country to go to the games. It's what they wear. They decorate their lawn in green paint. I'm I'm sneaking of uh, Green Bay fans right now. Right, but, right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's a point where I go, okay, I'm a huge Giants fan, but I'm not going to get a tattoo. I'm just not going to do it. Uh, I'm not going to spray paint my front yard. I might take a photo in the shirt with my baby and be like, yeah, look at yeah. it. But that's where it gets a little like, okay. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, where does it cross the line, and when does it get weird? The Giants' success is still an ex- uh, uh, an extension in your own brain. Your own, you tricked your own brain to experience their success as your success, and their failure as your failure. Sure. And so sure. you ride mm-hmm. their 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 out the outcome of their games dictates your emotions to some extent. And so, while there's the benefit of you know wearing your Giants jersey in the Bay Area and and like just kind of hey hey pointing at all your friends yeah, that yeah, you don't yeah, know yeah. you don't know anything about them you just know that you have something in common and you like that about them yeah yeah and that is good but but uh when you're at home alone and like screaming at the kids to shut up because your team's losing <laughs> like that would be the downside I mean, right i really feel like there are there are a couple different levels to that question where to me it's how 
how did you grow up? What was your household like? Did you have a father that was a sports fan that you as a son, or, or it could be your mom, but you as a child wanted to emulate your parent because you looked up to them so much. And so, you know, my dad watched Detroit sports, so I want to stay up late as a six-year-old and watch the Pistons game. I can't tell you how many Pistons games I fell asleep watching with my father. Hmm. And I don't care how bad the Pistons are. There's always going to be that emotional tie to them because it'll always be something that my dad and I did. And so when you talk about getting a tattoo or you talk about doing this, you know, from your house, you know, that's to me, it's so much more than the sport. One, just from a family aspect, if I break it down from that standpoint. And I also think understanding, you know, music is so personal in people's lives and they decide a lot of times the music, you know, some people carry music and they don't really move on. And it's you hear the right song or the right band at the right time in your life and it really touches you in a way that nobody else does. And, you know, sports does that in the same way, I think, depending on what's going on. It's a place where you can find belonging with another group of people when you are searching for something in your life. Right. And so if you have a couple of friends that are Giants fans and you're a nerdy guy that lives in, you know, Nebraska, but you met two other Giants fans just randomly when you're out, like, okay, here's this thing that I can now tie to and there's this there is this sense of belonging with this community that I have established. Right. And it is so much more than just the sport or the team yeah. or anything like that. And it's it's roots. I feel the roots of sports are so much deeper than what is on the surface level of the players on the field. It goes beyond just sports. What team are you on? What that could be your religion, your political party. I mean, we, sure. there was all this talk uh, this election season about identity politics, your politics being ex- an extension of your identity um, to the yeah. point to the point that which you can't even be presented with facts like stats like or anything that will um, because because you have to self-preserve your identity as correct or your identity as our team is the best. Yeah, that's or, so true. That's a huge part of like how I feel like how I was raised. There was just this black and white way of, of thinking, and you did this, can't deviate. In this article I was reading on on Washington Post, he's talking about how um, how New England Patriots fans were like constantly deflecting the Deflate Gate scandal. It was their instinct to like explain and rationalize because they were it was self preservation. They're protecting their identity. They're the the identity or the image of the franchise, the identity, the image of the quarterback and Belichick and all that. If they were to let their guard down and and receive information that might have pointed to the fact that there was some sort of conspiracy and and maybe there was intent to cheat in some way, then that's like their whole world comes crashing down because it's their own identity too, you know? That's what I love about baseball is you're allowed you're supposed to cheat. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh like yeah. It's, it's such a hard game. You're not cheating, you're not trying. It's such a hard game, you have to do everything. Like Ken Burns' baseball is just goes back to the, mm-hmm. the beginning when they were rubbing tobacco juice on the ball to get it all black so you couldn't see it and they'd throw it in. And, uh, you know, just 
digging their spikes into people and and doing anything they could to get the edge. And they and yeah. Well, I saw Julio Jones catch a football with his his two his thumb and his index finger, and it was a bullet. And I was like, "There's no way he doesn't have some sort of tar molasses on super his glue. <laughs> gloves." Yeah, super glue on there. I think that's interesting, though. We could talk about cheating a little bit. Like, everyone gets so obsessed. Like, everyone ripped Barry Bonds a new one because the steroid era and all that went down and deflate gate and all this different stuff. I always think if it's such a big deal, there should be something in place that's bigger than the player or bigger than the team. Like, if you can deflate footballs and get away with it, then deflate footballs. Yeah. Like... Why isn't the NFL supplying these footballs? I don't understand. Why isn't there some third party? <laughs> sure, they are now. Who's who's regulating the football? It's a nonpartisan. I know, but it's like if you want party. if you if you don't want if you don't want you know the steroid to be a big issue, uh, test all the and now they do they test all sure. the, the 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 players, but they didn't. I think I think testing started for football in like the eighties, and it didn't. For the but you for know baseball to like the two thousand but you know that yeah, there was so. the, but there was the rumors of there was the rumors of steroid use right and but the fans of those teams but they were making so much money well what I'm saying is the fans of those teams would never accept those rumors would never uh, would would always defend their their hero without taking oh, everyone into, into everyone account the knows evidence. that Barry and, Bonds was juicing yeah and even after even after they come out and admit it it's like they, no he, they didn't cheat that was all skill or what you know like it's well, that's the identity that they're they're self-preserving yeah i think at the end of the day though it's just cheating is a part of sports it's just is and to take away like armstrongs cuz he was doping it's like he still had to win the tour de france I mean, I, I don't. Barry Bonds yeah, still exactly. has to hit a baseball. He's still got. I mean, just because he's he's okay, so he's gotten twice as big as what he was, but that doesn't mean that his hand-eye coordination is any better. Yeah, you've yeah. still got to be able to actively track the baseball out of a hand, and and taking steroids doesn't mean that I can hit a slider any better than I used to before I took steroids. I mean, some guys just. I, I agree with you, and I think sport uh, cheating is a part of sports, but there is there's certainly something to. I really feel like these major, you know, the the four major sports, they don't want people to get caught. I mean, when it comes to the NFL and and their drug testing, drug testing opens on April 20th, um, and you can insert whatever joke you want, but on 420, drug testing starts. Right. And everybody knows it. And once you get tested, you are no longer tested for the rest of the NFL season. Right. That that doesn't mean you're going to be tested right away, but... If you're smart as a football player, after you get tested, you can smoke all the weed or do all the whatever that you want after you're done with your drug test for yeah. the rest of the year and the NFL will not bother you because they don't want you to be caught because for them, it makes their image look bad. It's not just about you. Yeah, and, and because fans wrap their own identities up in these heroes that they prop up as perfect... When you start tarnishing those heroes' images, those fans, if they can't deny it anymore, are going right. to distance themselves from those heroes and those teams and those franchises because their image is their self-esteem rides on the image of those players and those franchises. It is, that is interesting that like that the moral behavior of the athlete is important on top of their athletic ability. Like, oh, Barry Sanders was the best running back of all time. Also, the most humble of all running backs ever. 
You know what I mean? But it's only because we value morality ourselves. And because the player or the franchise is a projection of our own identity in our mind, then we add all of this with our parasocial relationship. We add all of this pressure on that. It's the same thing with, with music fans. Add the pressure on the, on the band guy to be a certain way because he's an extension of like my best self and he can't also do these things so i just had further seems forever come through a couple months ago um and i did a podcast with them at espn and i jason gleason was with them who did the how to start a fire record yeah and i told jason um i remember seeing you in detroit at st andrews hall and as a young christian at the time um young as in young in age not a young christian uh i saw you smoking a cigarette outside and i was so disappointed that i saw you (laughs) smoking a cigarette and it's like I equated this morality to if you smoke a cigarette, then that affects, you know, whether or not you're a real Christian or not a Christian or however you want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's but what you were told. Yeah. I mean, it's all taught. Right, right. Or once I realized that, you know, a lot like bands swear, everybody swears, everyone does it. Like, I, you know, and that's one of those things that there is a morality to it. But I think that's that's relaxed a little bit. And there are some things like nobody cares if if a sports player gets caught with marijuana anymore i really don't think other than the fact that they're like just be smart about it man like stop being so stupid you're wasting millions of dollars you're hurting the team but that's different than like a you know if it is a domestic violence thing or if it's a pick another thing that's that's a a bigger deal that's actually a black eye you know to the to the team to the player to the sport right but i think there are some things that people just don't care about tell me I'm interested for you to know from you guys when I look at, um, you know, this was a movie, so I know that this wasn't real, but when I look at Rudy, right, that was a working class family, the the, the Notre Dame football, that was a yeah. working class family, family that was extremely blue collar, but they had all sorts of Notre Dame football gear that they would spend their expendable income on. They would go to games. That's what they chose to be able to invest in because that was their escape. You look at, and for me growing up in Detroit or growing up in Michigan, the the bad boys, you know, the the Pistons of, you know, from 1988 through, you know, 91, when we won a couple of championships. I have like, those cards, <laughs> man. I have those cards and, still. And they embraced everything that was so hardworking, blue collar. We don't need yeah. that Showtime yeah. LABS. And it's just like you took on. Besides Rodman. Like they, Right. Well, <laughs> but they took on the persona of what that team, you know, what that city is that everyone just wanted to accept them as you're one of us. I don't care that you make so many more millions of dollars. I see the way that you're doing this and you're one of our city now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you embrace that. That's yeah. kind of, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of all of right. Detroit. These are hardworking people and they, they are loyal and they put a lot of faith in their team. And like you, when you, when you meet these people and you hang out with these people and you play for these people, you can't help but respect them. And it, it does, a, a, a city definitely does have, there's some psychology there that, that happens within, within just the, the inner workings of a team and how it relates to the general public of that city. What do you think about like cities that have the exact opposite where it feels like, man, that team is just lame. <laughs> the city's lame. Why does it always feel like it's Los Angeles? Why does it always why does it always feel like you know? Because I, I grew up in Sacramento, so when the Kings and the and the Lakers, I think in ninety nine, two thousand, when they were always battling in the playoffs, and then we was lost. Was that the Chris Webber era? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and the Lakers beat us like on a three point shot at the buzzer like twice. Jason Kidd. And uh yeah, it was it was Jason Kidd, Vladi Divac, oh, um yeah. Peja Stojakovic. Yeah, that was a good team. Yeah, and we sucked forever. My whole life, the Kings just sucked. And then we got so close, and then it was like I was going to Cal Poly, which was on the central coast of California, where everyone from L.A. or Northern California collided at school. And it was Northern California versus Southern California. And that was the year when, like, NorCal t-shirts were everywhere. Everyone was representing their part of the state. And, like, it was just always the fraternity bros that were wearing the Lakers gear. And it was so... (laughs) hard not oh, to yeah. hate those not to judge people. them well that's the oh, thing is like at, at what point can we look across i'm using the bus uh metaphor because i've had some experiences on buses but when you look across when you look across you know because you're facing people on the bus often you look across and you see someone in that rival in that in in the packers gear daniel is it just is it just a dream to look at them and go they're just like me to to have that uh, that 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 respect that mutual respect or is it just like on on this basic sort of like evolutionarily in group out group level they're on the out group screw them their team sucks or can you strike up a conversation and be like wow you guys really you know you guys really uh put it to us this year so, i don't i don't know is that even like is that even reasonable to like try to get to as a society i think <laughs> i mean i think so when i look at it i I grew up in Michigan, Detroit sports fan through and through. I will never, I will never leave my team. Um, I do wonder about the psychology of people that grow up in states or cities that don't have a sports team. Right. You know, I had all four major Detroit sports or major yeah, sports you did. there, so I, I have those teams that I've identified with my whole life. If I grew up in a city that didn't have a football team or a state that didn't have a football team, I just wonder psychologically. Is that bond as strong as where I grew up? Because you get to pick and choose where you want to. But all that to say, when I see a, a someone in a Packers jersey or a Vikings jersey or even a Patriots jersey, because I live in the Northeast, I see somebody that I immediately can talk about something that I love with. Right. I'm not that you know. I'm not that dick that decides I hate you because you like a team that I hate. And and those people that take it too far or the you know, the people that get drunk and get into fights after the game. And it's like, man, I don't understand. Right. We're all supposed to be here because we love this one thing. So how did this happen? Well, and and then also, I mean, if you take and that, what you're talking about is taking a bigger step back. So on the micro, you're like, I am a Detroit Lions football team like fan. And right. the Detroit Lions would really like to beat the Green Bay Packers, and they can't. It's they can't seem to like win the division. And the Green Bay Packers are like the bane of our existence. And at that level, then yes, the 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 fan wearing the Green Bay Packers jersey is kind of they kind of uh, embody uh, your enemy. They embody that thing that you want to defeat. But you take a step back and just go, I like football. I like NFL football. Then you can look at that person in that NFL football jersey from that from that you know further away viewpoint and say we both fall under the same umbrella. Yeah, the same umbrella where all humans eat animals that are pumped full of steroids every day and we don't care and yet when our athletes are pumped full of steroids everyone freaks out. <laughs> <laughs>
I mean, I kind of, I, I sort of view it like, I mean, I look at it from the standpoint of, you know, even Jesus ate with tax collectors, right? right. So me as a Lions fan, who I would equate to Jesus in this standpoint, yes, I can of still find <laughs> common ground with a tax collector and a Packers fan. <laughs> well, that's that's yeah. one way of looking at it too. But like, I'm I'm thinking if you take a step back, like so you, so there's there's people who are at odds with religious uh different religions so let's say some christians um are really afraid and uh, and don't trust and don't like uh muslim people um and so they go our religions are at odds you know um but if you take a step back you go hey we're both devout religious people (laughs) we can both have you know we can both commune on that level what sort of religious practices do you oh do you meditate i meditate too i mean you could so what i'm saying is if you have a deep deeper perspective if you step out of your own ego and your own self-identity and you can always find something in common with somebody yeah that seems like a huge theme of our podcast is constantly matt you're always pushing the point of like we're all human beings at the end of the day you're always trying to level it out and get us to see you know, how we're all human beings. And I'm always trying to say, this is how things are crazy. This is how we're killing each other. And <laughs> it's a good balance. We strike a good balance. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. I, I agree with you. I really do. I think that that is the hardest part of being a human being in our society when you're supposed to pick a side. Right. You're supposed to pick a team. We're taught It's almost to, like yeah. everything's stacked against that. Like, yeah, you're taught at a young age, like, got to pick a side, got to well, You don't want to be one of those... Get on the- those fair weather fans just jumping on the bandwagon. Oh, I hate that. Soci- society tells you right away, pick, choose your side. But I think I think of that. <laughs> I think of that Rudy movie, and I think of Rudy's best friend in the film, who's the who's the quarterback, whose dad was the All American, and he didn't even want to play football, you know. And Rudy's just this hundred and forty pound nothing, and all he wants to do is play football. And at the end, you know, he he's, he tells him not to quit. You know, he's like, you're the only reason I haven't quit yet, you know. And uh, there is something, there is a Rudy in all of us. I don't care if you hate, if you hate sports, you can't not watch that story of right. Rudy Rudiger and, and not cheer for him when he goes out and especially when he gets the tackle and then he gets carried off the I field. I want to know, here's one question that I have for you guys. Uh, are the Olympics different than regular sports? I mean, if you're talking about, you know, we had talked about how you say we, like I'm talking about the United States. Is it different if I say, like, you're looking at Usain Bolt playing, you know, running for Jamaica? Right. If I am a, if I am somebody in the United States with a sprinter and I say, oh man, we are, we have a great team this year. We have a great whatever. Because that's a country identity, is that different to you than, because it's, it's the entire nation coming together than individualized pockets around the United States? forming around these teams i mean uh based on what i've read that your brain is doing the same thing you're it's an extension of your identity as an american to say to chant i mean i never chant usa unless it's the olympics because <laughs> like it's That's like not, you don't break into usa chants all around. how can you yeah how can you not be patriotic it's like those that's our those are our best athletes of, of our entire country i mean we got to root for them or if there's more implications on the line, like the Miracle on Ice story of the hockey game, you know, against right. the Soviet Union, where it's like two ideologies competing in this uh-huh. hockey game. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, and then the Americans win this, you know, they they win this game and it's like probably the yeah. most famous game of all time. And it means that freedom will out. Freedom yeah, is yeah. better than communism. 
and you can't and, manufacture a better team than freedom can man yeah everyone loves the <laughs> underdog i mean everyone loves that story what are like what's your favorite underdog story daniel and can you tell us some some crazy fan stories too i want to hear because you've you've interacted with sports people way more than we have, I want to hear a couple good stories. I think, well, one I think one of my biggest underdog stories was the uh, 2004 Detroit Pistons. Uh, it was Chauncey, Rip, Tayshawn, Rasheed Wallace, and Ben Wallace when we were taking on the quote unquote Hall of Fame Lakers of Kobe, Shaq, Gary Payton, Carl Malone, and some other scrub they threw in the lineup. And it was like this. It was it was the epitome of these superstars versus the role players, you know, the hall of famers versus these guys. And to me, for us to go in there and, and beat the Lakers four one, uh, was just such a fantastic thing. It was like, you don't need to pay for all of this. And, Oh, sorry. It's like, sorry, you guys spent so much money and we're just better than you. Like, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. About They're that. playing money ball with the role players. Right. No big deal. Um, I do think you it's weird. And Teen I, Wolf on them and just, just took them down. A little bit. No big deal. Um, I do think it's weird though with sports that like I would never say like you know yeah we just finished up uh, recording and we're getting ready like in talking about the classic crime like I would never say if it's a band that I'm really invested in or or they've been a part of me I would never be like yeah we just wrapped up recording a couple weeks ago really excited to release the album (laughs) like I would never do that with music even though it's very possible that your music has done something incredibly meaningful to my life you know a lot of you've, you've, you've had people that have been fans for a long time and and the way that music has woven into the fabric of their dna sports is just different than music in that respect it absolutely is yeah i mean i unless unless you've done some like culture permeating thing like insane cloud posse and you're like you're with the juggalos and you're like we are gonna go to the gathering this year because we're we're gonna we're gonna rock out (laughs) or something yeah yeah i feel like yeah i feel like the grateful dead then maybe you know you can you can consider yourself. You could be like the we're the we're the best band in the world, man. <laughs> That's so good. I um, with the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast, we've done a couple of live shows, um, a live podcasts in New York and Boston and Philly, and we had people fly in from Texas and California, and to fly in to see a live podcast, which is an hour and a half long. Uh, to be able to come and do that, it's not even like a, it's not even like a real sport. Are you talking about fake football for a living? <laughs> and I'm pretty into that fake like, football. <laughs> absolutely, but you know what? Like, if you had to choose, like, would you go see a writer that does the fake football that you talk about? And I love Matthew and Field and Stefania to no end. I mean, they're they're some of my favorite people in the world. But would I want to go see a a writer that does the thing that I do, or would I rather go see Richard Sherman? Like, which one would I fly across the country for? And right. so. There is something about that fandom of seeing people come to talk about f- a fake sport uh-huh. that has spent hundreds of dollars and traveled across you know, the states to be able to come see you. It's just insane to me that the lengths that people go to the things that they love. What a world. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they clearly see value in it. Um, and they're, they're, the identity of their team is an extension of themselves, too, if their fantasy team wins. Then, oh, yeah. then they win, and so if they can get some insights on on who to pick up off the waiver wire or who's the hot whatever this week, I mean that really helps their their overall self esteem. So, <laughs> I mean, I remember being in on tour and being with a, a buddy on draft day, and he's like, "I can't hang out today, man. It's draft day." I'm yep, like, "I'm only him. in town for one day." So, sorry, bud. 
<laughs> he's like, sorry, so, dude. Yeah, I, mean, more important I don't understand stuff. fantasy sports, and that's that's its own podcast. It's weird. <laughs> when you think about it, fantasy, and, and not to get into another rabbit hole, but fantasy is almost like that saving grace for fans of bad sports teams because yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what? I know I'm a Browns fan, but I get to draft my own team, and so I will still always root for the Browns, but I get to find my enjoyment through these players that I have chosen as well. It's it a is, totally different it's level. A, it's a total self-preservation safety net because if, yep. you're, if your team loses, if your real team loses that week and you're in two fantasy teams or fantasy leagues like I am, then there's a good chance at least one of my fantasy teams will yep. win. And then I, it's it's like not a total loss for my ego. Oh, but when all three of those teams lose, Matt, it is just like the worst. No, week. one week, one week that happened this year where both my fantasy teams lost. The uh, the Huskies lost and the Seahawks lost, uh, oh. and it was like the one loss that like I think USC delivered to the to to UW, and I was just like devastated for a few minutes for a few minutes i allowed myself to be devastated then i was like none of this matters <laughs> gonna move on I, I have mouths to feed to wrap it up talking about that like how come <laughs> sports seem to be more important than everything for a lot of people they can trump any important thing going on right and i think there's just a point where it gets it almost becomes too much like i can handle the baseball season but i feel like i have to rest in the off season like <laughs> The next go round, I got to actually detox from this for a little while. <laughs> from the from the dopamine ups and downs. There's and... guys out there that do fantasy for all the sports they love. They've got different teams they watch. Um, they're constantly either yeah, watching those, the game or those guys are flying to the live podcast and they're paying Daniel's yep. bills. So the, you yep. know, Daniel's sort of dependent. <laughs> I'm sure you deal with those people every day, Daniel. Like every day, you 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 probably have these awkward moments. At least I, I I I remember having so many awkward moments just as a singer in a band, just like sure. at the merch oh, table. Oh yeah, or wherever. Just Absolutely. like you know, I mean, but how do you deal with that? I mean, I remember when "Song in My Head" came out and the video in that the little kid looks just like my little brother. And I actually there were a couple of times where I got like a little choked up because I I pictured my little brother in that video that you guys released and when he was like being picked on by all those little kids and that girl came over and like held his hand it was like there was something in that to me that like I want you to know that like that touched me in a way like when someone comes up and says that to you is that like how do you deal with it that it just depends on how level headed they are if they're you know if they get a little weird or they start getting awkward then you know those are the moments like that's why you do what you do that's why you write music that's why you play music and that's what you hope to achieve but i still think at the end of the day like uh, it's just it's just kind of how it's presented to you but, but do you do that for people do you do that for them or do you do that for you i mean because i don't think we had um we had landon collins the the new york giant safety come through today like do you think that he plays football for for the people or does he do it because it's something that he wants to do because he gets enjoyment out of it i mean you write music for you first and foremost correct i think it's both i think it's both i think you do it for you but you also i will say that i write it for me i don't i don't when i'm writing a song i don't think about anything else that but what what i'm feeling and what i like in that moment no and i don't think i think the people and i think you guys will understand when i say this the people that are receiving those comments even though it's sometimes uncomfortable to be able to hear you understand and and it's like a I'm glad that I was able to be that outlet for you. I'm glad that I was able to provide that for you because that is certainly a part of it. And I, um, I, you know, 
we had somebody, and I don't know their name, and it's probably best. Um, so I'm sorry if you also listen to this podcast and you're the person I'm about to talk about. But we had somebody that that wrote the fantasy uh, focus football podcast and said, you know, I want you guys to know I've been listening to you guys for a long time, and it was a big long story about you know how they something happened with their pet and they didn't realize and they took it in and and the pet had to go through surgery and they were sitting there. It was a, an animal that they had had for like the last nine years, and he was sitting there overnight waiting to be able to find out if there, if his if his dog was going to make it through surgery and the only thing that he was listening to was that that day's fantasy focused football podcast on repeat because it was just like in that moment it was something to occupy him and it was something that he could live in and he could find an escape in and and he wrote us this email i mean there's this beautifully long email of how what you guys do, you have no idea how much it means to me that you were able to be there for me in that moment. He's extracting so much more meaning out of the podcast episode than was ever... We're talking about fake football, absolutely. However, it is an honor to be there in that moment when someone's going through something difficult. And that's that's what I try to remind myself. It's like, if it wasn't my music, it would have been somebody's. Sure, probably Chris Carrabba's. Yeah, probably Chris Carrabba's. (laughs) That's a good thing uh, to throw out there because that's a good point. I I feel like you're, as an artist, you're never ever going to fully be able to put yourself in the fan's position. So you're never really going to understand them but you can go back and go, okay, what 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 have I been a fan of? Like, Mike Carrera was everything to me at a certain point in my life. Yeah, we had him on the podcast. Yeah, and then we had him on the podcast and then for a second I was just like, oh, weird. Like... (laughs) I would have killed to have just hung out and be friends with you <laughs> at some point in my life. Uh, you know what I mean? And like guys like Reese Roper, for instance, like I dressed like the guy. I, you know, I, uh, I would, I just would wear Five Iron Frenzy. I probably would wear a Five Iron Frenzy shirt every day for, you know, like I had enough shirts to just wear a new one every day. Um, <laughs> I was that kid. I mean, that was why I wanted to be in a band. So then it was like weird that, that, People were feeling the same feelings for me, right? Uh, or Sherwood, and talking to me about it, going, "I don't see. I don't feel like I've arrived yet. So, so why do you think I'm here? You know." And so that's that's the awkwardness. But there it's are, the nature of the parasocial yeah. relationships. Like you feel like you, you uh, that person is an extension. There's something you know about them. You know, like, and uh, and so when you when you meet them, it's like, oh my gosh, like I've been in in your head for years even this podcast people send us emails and such and it's like we still feel like we're kind of figuring this podcast out you know like what do we do what are we doing well each episode yeah we change we just had daniel on and we were like what are we gonna (laughs) ask him (laughs) (laughs) we don't know what we're doing (laughs) yeah i don't know what we're talking about but no that's 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 good i I guess if uh if you have any last awkward stories (laughs) share them now um probably and i don't it's not an awkward story but um it's something that i i feel super blessed even though this isn't sports um but just what i've been able to do at espn um you know i grew up listening to to a lot of the early tooth and nail and a lot of the stuff that you guys had um you know within that that scene and so i i saw that mike herrera had posted something about mxpx playing a couple shows and um you know i had i had commented on something i'm not expecting anyone to reply and he was like by the way daniel i'm an 06010 listener and so like to see mike herrera text me back to say, hey, I listened to your podcast. And I was like, no, wait a second. Like, I, I do know absolutely what you mean. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 
And so it's it, it's one of those things where, you know, I think regardless of how, and I'm a nobody within the sport, uh, you know, within the sporting world, but even once you get up to the players within the sports, I do feel like there's this thing of, there's this sense of pride that you have to be able to offer something to these fans that you know that they find a release in. And it's the same whether it's music or whatever you want to pick. And so when you come up and someone's like, I don't even I don't even know what to say. You're Calvin Johnson. Like, I, I can't even tell you how much time I've invested in watching you play football, all the things that you have done. Like, And it is such a blessing to be able to work for those that understand that what you get to do for a living is an escape and a release for others. And you're glad to be able to be there to do it. And it's it's just such... A blessing to be able to be a part of something like that that's yeah. awesome that's great daniel if someone wants to follow you online where is your uh what's your twitter handle and all that you can follow me on twitter at daniel dop d-o-p-p um you can follow me on instagram although i don't really do a whole lot on instagram at something to break but every once in a while i'll post a photo or two or something a photo like of maybe some vinyl for those of you who don't know daniel um he's kind of mr vinyl guy at bc music so that's the it's the yeah. label we put our stuff out on, you know, Sherwood, The Classic Crime, you heard them, Vocal Few, we make vinyl, and Daniel basically manages all that, and he usually gets the test presses, and then listens to them, and tells us if they're good or bad, and then keeps them. So, occasionally... <laughs> I don't keep all of them, but I keep some of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's his only payment, so it's uh, it's it's not nearly enough, so we thank you for, for helping us out in that regard, too, man. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me. This was a ton of fun. Appreciate it. Yeah, awesome. Sorry it was all over the place, but uh, that's how we do it here on Don't Feed the Troll. <laughs> we fly by the seat of our pants. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Cool. Awesome. Well, that about, wraps, guys. that about wraps it up. Thank you for listening to Don't Feed the Trolls. Tell your friends about our podcast. If you like it, it's uh, Don't Feed the Trolls. That's the name of the podcast. You can email us at <laughs> don't email the trolls at gmail.com or through our contact form at trollspodcast.com. Go check us out on Twitter and Instagram. It's easy to find us. Till next time, see ya. Beautiful. Beautiful.